Well, welcome, welcome, one and all, to another special summer edition of the Yearbooking Report podcast. We'll mark this one for the month of July 2020. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Great to have you. Thanks for taking some time. My name is Scott Giese. I have been a representative for Justin's Yearbooks for 21 years now. I am very honored to be a JEA certified journalism educator. Appreciate that. Because uh, I enjoy teaching and I enjoy leading anything that talks about yearbooking. And we'll get to that here in just a little bit. Uh, hopefully you've been enjoying summer. If you've actually been vacationing, most of us, I think, have been staycationing. I'll be honest, I've never cared much for that term. It seems like a cheap way out. Although, of course, uh, what's cautions the better part of valor at this particular point? I know in my case, uh, my wife and I were scheduled to take a, a one-of-a-kind trip this summer, and of course, it did not happen. Maybe we'll try next summer. We'll see what happens. But probably like a lot of you, I'm still sort of stuck at home. All right. We, we remember that period for most folks from about mid-March through the end of the last school year when we a lot of us sort of uh, bemoaned what I called the cheated class of 2020. And they were. The end of their great senior final year was cheated out of them. But again now, here we are as we look ahead to the next school year. Am I going to be saying the even more cheated class of 2021? Possibly. No doubt that we are marching into the most disrupted school year ever, and there is a distinct possibility it will be the entire school year this time. All right, if we look back at the spring, if we round off it, that was about three months. We could be looking at nine months of the most disrupted school year ever. No, this virus isn't going anywhere. Remember all the stories a while back that, well, when we get into summer, this virus will just sort of disappear. Yeah, like so many of those other great predictions, either from experts or armchair experts. So many people have been wrong about this thing. It's very easy to kind of throw up our hands and say, oh, nobody knows what the heck they're doing. Well, that's not true. All right. There are a lot of healthcare folks out there. They know exactly what they're doing. But something like this has never hit us before. I mean, yeah, we could go back 100 years to the so-called Spanish flu. But for me, 100 years ago, that's like a different world. Totally different situation than what we're dealing with right now. A lot of folks have just, frankly, I think, made wrong guesses on this one. You know, the whole mask thing and so on. And by the way, here's my thought on this one. Depending on wherever you live, I mean, anywhere on planet Earth where you live, all right, we know that this virus is pretty much everywhere now. Uh, I don't think there's probably any spot out there that hasn't somehow been touched by this thing, and they're going to continue to be touched by this thing for X number of months, hopefully just months. But the, the disruption here is just total. And my thought is very simply this. If you're going out in public, wear a mask. All right, there's my public service announcement. If you're going out in public anywhere, wear a mask. Just none of us likes it. We hate it. We despise it. I know I do. I don't have any trouble breathing, but I'm a guy who wears glasses. Well, guess what? Any of you that wear glasses, you know where I'm going on this one, right? Of course. Puff, puff, puff. My glasses get all fogged up every time I go someplace. Ah! But here's the thought. Anytime you go out in public, just wear a mask. No, it's not against your freedoms. It's just smart. 
It's just common sense until we get this thing under control. All right. I've been out to some public events uh, near my home. I live in central Pennsylvania, uh, and I've noticed plenty of people nobody, not wearing a mask. And I just kind of look at them like, come on, really? I mean, seriously? I'm not trying to infringe on your liberty, but come on. All right, enough of that. We're, we're getting off our main topic here. I'll get off my soapbox. There we go, off the box. We're talking about yearbooking here. And again, if this had been a so-called normal year, I'd be on vacation probably right now. Uh, we wouldn't be doing a summer edition of the Yearbooking Report podcast, but we're doing another one here for the month of July because we have to look ahead. I think the folks who don't look ahead are really going to get caught short. Now, I know, since I work with many, many teachers and administrators and so on, most folks are looking ahead. And, of course, we do know this is going to be the most disrupted school year ever. I mean, this isn't even a question. And better to prepare early than prepare late and get caught and, whoa, oh, I didn't think that would happen. Well, guess what? You didn't plan ahead. So for our yearbooking efforts for this year, yes, we are having a yearbook. I actually got a call a while back from a, a very nice lady I enjoy working with from an elementary school. And she, uh, she uh, actually sent me an email. And she sent me a message saying, Scott, we don't think we're going to have a yearbook this year. And the reason was, we don't think we're going to be getting portrait photos. And if we don't have those, we're not going to have a book. And I almost immediately replied and said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you need a yearbook this year because this is a, arguably the most important year ever. You need to remember it. And trust me on this one. Portrait photographers will find a way to get your headshots this year. Otherwise, they go out of business. And, of course, they don't want to do that. So if somehow you're listening and you've had a similar thought, like, oh, how are we going to do all that? Trust me, folks will come up with solutions. Even in the most, you know, throw everybody at home situation like we had back in the spring, even in that situation, portrait photographers, I think, are smart folks. They're going to figure out ways to get it done. May not be the greatest solution, but they're going to figure out ways. My bigger uh, thought for my portrait photographer friends is more of this idea uh, of the so-called hybrid model, which you maybe your school's doing that or you've heard of this, where some of the kids are in a particular day and other kids are in the next day. So in other words, the whole building isn't full. Now, if you're a portrait photographer, ideally you want a chance where you come to school one day, take everybody's picture, go home process and all that stuff. To come multiple days when you were only going to come one day, meanwhile there's this other school over here, now you have to go to them multiple days and then multiple days. There's only so many days in a week. So my portrait photographer friends, I know they are doing this juggle right now. Like, okay, what are we going to do? Trust me, they'll come up with a solution. So you're going to have a yearbook this year, this most historic of years. But how are you going to put it together? That's the purpose of this episode, special July episode of the Yearbooking Report podcast. How are we going to put this thing together this year? And I think I've mentioned in a prior one that early on in this gig, I was an optimist. I thought, okay, we're going to get answers to this. We're going to figure it out. We're going to you know, get a vaccine quick. We're going to find drugs that work and all that stuff. Well, after a number of months now, that hasn't happened yet. It will happen. It will happen. But when will it happen in November? 
Will it happen in January? Will it happen in April? Either way, we're looking at the most disrupted school year ever, and it could branch the entire year. So I'm at the point now where I've become more of a, I'll say a good pessimist. I'm planning, you know, the old line, I'm planning for the worst, hoping for the best. Planning for the worst, hoping I'm wrong at some point down the line. Yay, we're sort of back to normal. Yay, that sort of thing. But plan for the worst, hope for the best. Hopefully you are already taking that tack wherever you are with your school. Not just with your yearbooking, but you know if you teach science or social studies or you're an administrator or whatever you are, hopefully you're doing that as well. Much better to plan for the worst and then somewhere along the way, whoop, all done. Now, do I expect that to happen? Not really, but anyway. So hopefully that's the planning. But from our yearbooking perspective, what do we do? So we're going to cover some basic topics here in this particular episode. And I suppose I can take the folks and kind of divide all the schools out there, maybe sort of into two groups. Because I like to simplify whenever possible. I like to simplify. And I, I'm, never, I'm never one for being complicated. I had a colleague I used to work with. He uh, One of his favorite lines, and I always loved it, he would bring back the old, what's called the KISS principle, which you've probably heard, right? Keep it simple, stupid, or Sam, or Sally, or whatever you want to use there. He was always against complicated plans. Management would come up with some great new idea and a 12-point plan. Oh, boy. Really? 12-point plan. Okay, that no, that's not going to work. How about a very simple plan? So let's keep things simple. If I break schools sort of into two groups, there are the schools who really, really, really take yearbooks seriously. I mean, they do judging of their book every year. They go to competitions. They go to conventions and so on. And I love those folks. All right, that's sort of me. You know, I'm, I'm a yearbook journalist. I've been involved in journalism since I was in high school, which is about four decades now. And so they're serious about their photos, and they're serious about their writing, and they're serious about their design and their theme and all that sort of stuff. And that's great. That's one group. Then there's everybody else. Their primary job, get a book done. Make a nice book, get it done. All right. Don't go to competitions. Don't go to conventions. Don't do judging. Now, uh, probably if you're a yearbooker, you're familiar with this. That's the huge majority of schools out there. They simply want to make a nice book. They're not interested in judging and all that other stuff. Okay. So if we simplify, we have these two particular groups. This podcast might be more for that larger second group. How are we going to get this job done this year? But for those veteran folks that are listening, eh, listen in anyway. Because I might toss out one or two ideas that might say, hey, that's, that's a thought. Never thought of it that way. All right. So we're going to break things up into particular groups. And we're going to start with the idea that, again, this is the most unprecedented school year ever, and it could be the whole year. How do we do this job? How do we keep it simple? But realizing that this is really a year of change, Right. Uh, maybe you've written something. You've probably read something from experts and blogs and whatever that once this is eventually over, once we finally conquer this virus or get past this and so on, are we really going to be able to go back to the way things were before you know February, March of this year? And I think the consensus answer is no. There's going to be some serious changes across the lot. 
if it's just wiping things down with Clorox wipes all the time, all right, that sort of thing, or if it's uh, all kinds of stuff, how we handle education. Is it all going to be in a classroom now, or is it going to be more of a classroom online uh, combination? That's my particular thought. I think, I think we're headed in that direction. You know, what about things like sports and seating and all this other stuff? This is a year of change. And so when it comes to our yearbooking, I think this also needs to be a year of change. And it's a golden opportunity, if you think about it, for some schools out there to really change things up and uh, go off in some new different directions. So we're going to hit some highlights here during the podcast. And the first one I'm going to start with is very simply organization. Now, in my two decades plus of doing this job of yearbooking, I've noticed that most yearbook staffs, frankly, are not organized. They're just not organized. All right, if you can imagine in your mind a hierarchy, all right, we've seen those line charts on boards and so on, a hierarchy of organization. Most yearbook staff organization is really simple. It's the yearbook advisor at the top and then everybody. <laughs> Am I right? Yearbook advisor and everybody. And the idea with this hierarchy is the yearbook advisor is telling everybody what to do, telling everything, ruling everything, and the kids are essentially just, okay, 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 and they just do stuff. All right? My thought is it's time to change. For most yearbook staffs out there, it's time to change. First off, I can't help but notice over all these years, a lot of yearbook advisors have full plates. They have yearbook. They probably have something else. Of course, they have their regular classes, and I assume a full class schedule. Maybe they have a family. I'm assuming that's in the mix there, too. They have so many things to do. And then here's your book. And they're supposed to call all the shots in your book. Well, that might seem like an obvious choice, but in my mind, it really isn't. First off, we have to remember, and most folks kind of miss this, too. Your booking is an educational opportunity. We're not just making a book. Part of this needs to be education. And part of that means we need to give more responsibility to our students. This is their project after all. It's not the yearbook advisor putting the book together, although there are a handful of those out there, unfortunately. This is a, an educational chance for kids to learn new things. And not only how to take better pictures or how to be a better writer or how to work on a computer, I'm also talking about leadership and teamwork, which we're told those are important things in schools. We want our kids to learn those skills so that when they go off to work or go off to college, they're better prepared. All right, that sounds great. The problem is, in too many cases, that's not happening. Let's make it happen this year. So if, uh, if you're a yearbook advisor, and again, your hierarchy is pretty much you and everybody, let's break that up a little bit. Let's uh, get students more uh, involved with responsibility and what they need to do. You need a so-called editor-in-chief or an EIC. This is a key student, bright student, or an active student, or just a very organized student that is sort of right underneath the yearbook advisor. But the EIC is the person who's calling a lot of the shots 
when it comes to how things are getting done. And then maybe you do have so-called sub-editors, you know, a sports editor or a student life editor or a managing editor. There's a lot of different names you can give them. Advertising editor, promotion editor. Now, a lot of this, of course, is dependent on the size of your staff. If you have a very small staff, you might have just an editor-in-chief and then everybody. Hopefully, you have a bit of a larger staff so that you can kind of divide folks up a little bit. So again, the idea is you have an editorial team working with the yearbook advisor, and as a group, they make decisions. Now, I know there are a lot of advisors and adults, they, they, they kind of shy away from that because they don't quite trust teenagers or even middle schoolers. They don't quite trust them to make decisions. Really, that's supposed to be my job. How's a kid going to learn if you don't give them an opportunity? It's a simple thought there, folks. How, do you, how are they going to learn if you don't give them the opportunity? Are they going to make some mistakes along the way? Unquestionably. They're young people. Maybe if this is the first time they've really been given a leadership role of any kind, anywhere. So are they going to make a mistake or two here and there? Yes, they are. But it's the yearbook advisor's main job to sort of be the overseer, just to make sure that everything is proceeding as it should. Then let your editors, let your key kids be the drivers. They're the ones who go to other staffers to make sure that things are getting done. Do we have pictures of such and such? What about this spread on the football team? How's it coming? What about this section, this section, this section? What about selling ads? What about doing promotion and all that sort of thing? Put your kids in charge of that. Now, again, you're going to hit a couple of uh, duds. That's normal. You're going to have a kid that you thought, this kid's going to be really good, and then, eh, doesn't work out. Okay, move on. Find another kid. That's normal. That happens probably in every school out there. But the key is, all of this effort should not be on the yearbook advisor's shoulders. Definitely delegate. Get your kids together. Figure out who your real movers and workers and shakers are. Not necessarily the so-called smartest kid in the class. Maybe not the most active kid in the class, because that means they're also involved in 13 other things. But the real movers and shakers, the kids who really have a passion for this project, give them positions of authority, lay out, okay, here's what we need to be doing, and cut them loose. And then for advisors, your main job is just to kind of oversee, make sure things are moving along okay. You're the CEO, everything's going okay. And then get together with your editorial group on a regular basis, once a week. You could Zoom it if you want to, just to go over the notes. Here's where we are right now. I think organization is a huge factor in this upcoming disrupted year. Those yearbook staffs that continue to be disorganized are going to struggle all over the place, from elementary up to college level. Meanwhile, the groups that are well-organized, like this past spring, the groups that were well-organized got things done, got them done on time, ends up looking great, and at the end, when the yearbook and whatever comes out, everybody's happy. So let's put organization at the top of the list of changes we need to make for this most disrupted of school years. All right, now stay tuned. We've got some more ideas coming up, just simple ideas to simplify this effort for this insane year we're about to hit. So stay tuned for more of those. We'll get back to more of some ideas, tips, thoughts, and such on this most historic school year ever and our yearbooking efforts coming up here in just a bit. 
Now, this is especially for Jostin schools, schools that work with Jostins. If you are listening and somehow you don't work with Jostins right now, don't tune out. I want you to listen, all right? Because, yes, in this insane year, of course, a lot of companies, just in general, a lot of companies have pulled back, you know, because they've been forced to. Think about restaurants that had to close, and now they've been doing takeout for all this time, and they want to bring people back in, but they're a little nervous to do so. And then all these other companies, of course, that have laid off people. I mean, it's bad. It's going to get better. No doubt in my mind, once we're eventually past this crazy virus, things are going to bounce back. May not bounce back really, really fast. It's probably going to take time, but it's going to bounce back. So there I'm an optimist. But as far as schools are concerned, again, part of the idea is storytelling. And how can you allow anybody in school to tell their own story in pictures, not words, not likes, none of that stuff. Well, again, we're looking ahead to the new year with Jostens, and we're excited. We have our new Layout Pro online page creation tool, which is awesome, and it's up and running, and it's going to get even better as we march into the fall with more tools and functionality and so on. Works on any device. Chromebooks, yep. iPads, yep. Phones, no, not really, but you could try. All right, go for it. And computers, of course. But we're also excited about our new digital tool that we call Yearbook Plus. Now, Yearbook Plus is not an app. We've discovered the hard way over the last number of years that sometimes an app is not the best way to go. And we had an app, which was fine, but a lot of folks essentially said, I don't want another app. I don't want to put that on my phone. Okay, we learned the hard way. An app, eh, not the best way to go. But how do we use digital tools as part of our yearbook storytelling? Well, our very smart brain trust went out and did the research, came back and put together what we now call Yearbook Plus. Now again, Yearbook Plus can be used on any device, smartphone and such, any device, anytime, anywhere. Two basic thoughts. Pictures tied to portraits in your yearbook. So in other words, anybody who's pictured, which would be every student, I think it would be every adult, right? Think about the portrait sections, headshots, and so on. Anybody who's in there with a headshot has the chance to tell their own story with up to 10 photos that they upload. Now, it could be one photo, three, five, two, eight, up to 10. Once again, no writing, no videos. This is photos. We want to keep this simple. And most people tell us, that's what I want. I take my pictures of myself, selfies with my friends, or my parents take pictures of me and so on. I've got lots of photos that tell my story. So in other words, in my particular case, all right, I might have a photo with me and my big dog Cooper. I might have a photo with my grandson or a photo with my family. I don't do it often, but I like to play golf. Maybe a picture of me playing golf picture of me leading a yearbook class or something like that, and I upload those photos, that tells my story. Now, from a school perspective, all the photos are moderated. We don't want any shenanigans going on here. And yearbook advisors using this tool have some extra functionality to make sure that everything's going the way it's supposed to. And then what happens is when people eventually get their yearbook, this is tied to the book, and they hold their phone over a special QR code for your school to kind of turn it on, and then they go take a picture of, of Joey. All right, here's my friend Joey. Click, I'm taking his picture from the yearbook. All of Joey's photos come popping up on my screen. Cool. Now here's the story of Joey, told by Joey. And anybody in school can do this. 
Now, this is a thing for high schools primarily right now because of a legal requirement. It's supposed to be 13 and over. Yeah, we're working on that for middle schools and such. And also, the yearbook staff has a chance to showcase maybe photos that they didn't have a chance to use in the book. They had too many. So in the football spread, they might mark one particular photo with a little special icon. And when somebody sees that, oh, there's some stuff there. I'm going to take my phone, click, take a picture of that picture, and then all of those extra football photos come popping up on the screen of their device. Too cool. And so it could be chemistry class, sports team, activity, the lunch ladies. I don't know anything. If you have pictures of the lunch ladies, that could be <laughs> interesting. What do they do back in the cafeteria there anyway? All that stuff is part of Yearbook Plus. Contact your Jossens representative for more information about Yearbook Plus. They've got a lot of really good news for you. And then years from now, no matter what phone I have at that point, I can scan that QR code, which is in your book somewhere, and then I can go to Joey again, click, take a picture of Joey, poof, all of Joey's stuff pops up on the screen. Or your stuff, or anybody's stuff. We're going to be encouraging schools, hey, we've got to get everybody doing this because it's simple to do and it allows anybody to tell their own story. Fabulous. More information? Contact your Jocelyn's representative. Okay, welcome back to the Yearbooking Report podcast, special July summer edition. I'm Scott Giese, and again, the purpose of this particular special episode, we're looking ahead to the next school year, the most disrupted school year ever, no matter what. How are we going to do our yearbooking efforts as part of this disrupted year? And it's interesting, depending on where you're from, again, I'm from central Pennsylvania. I'm assuming a lot of the discussions, wherever you are, have been roughly the same. How are we going to get things started for this year? I'm talking about the school now. How are we going to get things started? And I think really there, there are only three options. And it's been interesting this summer as I've had discussions on these three options. Um, I've only hit one so far where a school says, yep, we're just going to bring everybody back when school starts again, just like always. In other words, everybody in the building all at the same time. And I remember I said to them, really? Really? I hope you're right. That's the extreme minority, I think. Now, at the other end of the spectrum, it's what we did back in the spring. We're just going to go home. It's all online learning, which for a lot of folks was frankly a disaster. It simply did not work. Now, granted, we were caught in an extreme situation. All of a sudden, bam, school closed and everybody's thrown home. And now we're supposed to learn. I know here where I live in Pennsylvania, when they first did that in mid-March, the delay was supposed to be two weeks. We were told, okay, it's going to be a two-week break. Okay. Then it became a third week. And when that happened, a lot of us thought, okay, here it comes. And before the end of the third week, it was, okay, we're done. And at that point, it's like, well, we've been waiting for a couple of weeks to get re-going again. Now, whoop, and everybody just ran around. Oh, go online. You know, what can we do? Woo-hoo. Yeah, it was insane. And I think probably that was similar in a lot of states across the country. And maybe a lot of parts of the world, too. You kind of waited, and then, oops, we're going to do something. So uh, there's that idea of the online, all online. So far, at least here as I'm recording this in July, I haven't encountered one school yet that says, yep, we're just going to start online again. Okay. All right. Then, of course, there's the one in the middle. 
either called a hybrid or a staggered model. We mentioned this earlier. Certain kids are in school in the building certain days, other people are at home, and then the next day maybe those people are in the school and you're at home. So in other words, you're sort of only in the school half the time, and the other half of the time you're doing online learning at home. Now think about this for you teachers out there listening. If that's your scenario, are you, as I'm recording this and releasing this here in July, are you prepared to do that on a long-term basis? I'm guessing a lot of teachers are doing some serious scrambling right now. With that in mind, they need to have in-the-building lessons, and they also need to have online lessons. In other words, they have to cover both sides. Maybe they probably have never done that before. Back in the spring, it was all online. Now I have to do both? That sounds like twice the work. I'm not sure it is but it sounds like it. But the majority of the schools that I've talked to as I'm recording this, that's their plan. They're gonna to try to do this hybrid idea, hoping that at some point things will loosen up and they can kind of go back to so-called normal again. Again, I'm a good pessimist, not expecting that to happen. In my particular case, I've already heard from a couple of schools who have told me, hey Scott, when school starts again, you're not allowed in the building because I'm a so-called outsider. And yeah, they could take my temperature and all that other stuff, but as a, quote, outsider, they'd prefer I not come in. So in my case, I'm probably going to be doing a lot of remote stuff. Probably a lot of my brethren with Jostens or other yearbook companies are going to be doing probably the same thing for maybe quite a while. But hopefully from the school perspective, that doesn't happen. It looks like hybrid is going to be the winner. But even in that situation, we don't have everybody in the building all at the same time. How are we going to make this yearbook? How are we going to do this? Well, we talked about organization. Very, very important right from the get-go. Who do you have? Get them organized. Dele uh, delegate. Yeah, delineate too. Delegate. Figure out who's going to do what so that we're ready to go. Next up is something I mentioned in our last episode back in June. And it's just this basic idea of storytelling. Now, the great majority of your books out there, when they have put their book together, it's always been about what I call groups and events, all right? Groups, sports teams, uh, clubs, uh, maybe particular classes, anything that's a grouping in your school. And then events, of course, football season, volleyball season, uh, homecoming week, prom, uh, winter dance, this trip, that trip, which probably a lot of trips aren't going to happen this year, I don't think. But it's always been about reporting, essentially, groups and events. And then we have pictures and at least a little bit of writing in there. Here's what happened, la, la, la. Well, we found out again the hard way in the spring that groups and events can be canceled. Folks, it could happen again. Anytime, this fall, this winter, lots of that stuff. It could be totally disrupted things will not happen. I mentioned a moment ago, I think a lot of field trips in a lot of places, forget about it. They're not going to happen this year, unfortunately. I always love field trips. You get to have a lot of fun, really learn some cool stuff. Probably all of that is by the boards, at least for the fall, probably the winter, maybe the entire school year, God forbid, but I think that's going to happen. So if groups and events get canceled again, what are we going to do? A lot of yearbook advisors panicked back in the spring when sports seasons got canceled, prom got canceled, graduation was totally disrupted, a lot of other events canceled. Well, we usually give X number of pages in our book to those things. What do we do? Some folks just cut pages. That was their simple solution. Just whoop, out it goes. A lot of folks, eh, maybe not a lot, 
some folks decided to put their thinking cap on. They still sort of covered, say, baseball season, but they did it a little different way. And that's kind of where I'm going with this. We need to pivot away from the idea of just covering groups and events. We need to pivot toward storytelling. Because one thing is for certain, everybody out there has stories to tell and people are not canceled. They're still going to have stories to tell. Here's a worst case scenario. Let's talk about fall. All right. I really wonder about volleyball season. Now, volleyball, of course, is played indoors. Well, maybe the air movement or filtration or whatever is not that great indoors. Could that disrupt the volleyball schedule? It's one thing if you're outside playing soccer or at a football game where you have a nice breeze and it's probably a lot uh, healthier, I suppose, or safer. Whereas when you're in an inside area, a little more confined, you might be looking up at the fan vents thinking, are they working up there? I hope so. Maybe not. What if they're totally disrupted? Well, you know what? The volleyball players still have stories to tell. All right, now I'm not a volleyball expert, but there's the girl who's just a fantastic setter. She's really good at setting the ball so that somebody else can spike it, okay? She has a story to tell, all right? The spiker, all right, the, the girl who's just big, tall girl, maybe, bam, she gets all these so-called kills and so on. She's an awesome player. She has stories to tell. Other players have stories to tell. The coach has some stories to tell. This whole weird situation and how we're dealing with it, there are stories to tell. And again, we tell these stories because we want to remember them, not only when the school year is over, but 5, 10, 20, 40, 60 years from now, when we look back at 2020 and 2021 and think, wow, what a wild year that was. Here are the stories about how we dealt with it. Stories. Homecoming week. Maybe it doesn't happen this fall because of whatever, all right? But yet maybe we still have homecoming girls, you know, princesses or whatever they're called, and one girl's chosen as the queen, yay, okay, by voting and such. But maybe they don't get a chance to march out on the field. They don't get to go through all the hoopla and have a homecoming dance and all this sort of thing, which would be a real bummer. But let's say that happens. What, we're not going to have homecoming coverage? Of course we are. Why? Because those girls all have stories to tell. Why did they want to become a homecoming princess? What was the point? The girl chosen as the queen, what was she thinking in this weird year about being the homecoming queen during the weird year? That sort of stuff. And you can pick anything in any yearbook, in any subject, in any school, and there are stories attached to them. Stories attached to people. People will never be canceled. And so the idea with storytelling, we need to make this pivot from just stuff to people. If you do that, you will never be lacking for material for your yearbook. And then again, as we look to the future, when we eventually get past this craziness, we've made that pivot now and we realize, hey, this yearbook is more about telling people stories individual people or maybe small groups of people not the usual stuff we just cover every year make that pivot and i think first off you're gonna have a better yearbook you're gonna have a more readable yearbook you're gonna have a yearbook that people are gonna value even more than they ever have before because hopefully somewhere in that book is a story about them now again telling stories can be very simple 
A lot of students, when I mention telling stories, their eyes start to glaze over because they think I want them to write a novel or something. No, no, no. That's one way to tell a story, but not in a yearbook, preferably. You can tell somebody's story with a picture and a caption. That's it. And the picture doesn't have to be big. And the caption doesn't have to be big. Maybe a couple of lines. You tell somebody's story, and then maybe you move on to the next person, and then a next person, and so on. Yes, you've got these so-called active kids in every school. They're involved in a lot of stuff. They'll get their stories told. Don't forget everybody else. Everybody has a story to tell. How can you collect those stories? Now, I mentioned in my prior, prior June episode, I've put together a very simple one-page sheet on this idea. I call it the storytelling formula. And I try to simplify this as much as possible. How can we make that pivot from one to the other? If you would like to get a copy, it's a simple, just a word file. If you'd like to get a copy of the sheet, send me an email. My address is my name, which is scott, to S-C-O-T-T dot geezy, which is G-E-E-S as in Sam, E-Y, at jostens.com, J-O-S-T-E-N-S dot com. Send me an email saying, hey, I'd like to get that storytelling sheet. I'll be happy to send it to you. All right. Actually, it's a two-page sheet. The first page is the basic plan. The second page is a sheet that I've used for many, many years, which is my interviewing sheet. I found a lot of students really struggle when it comes to basic interviewing, just gathering information. It's really tough for them to do that for some reason. So I kind of break it down, make it simple, and then this is like a sample sheet along with an activity to get kids to do a better job of just gathering information through some simple interviews. So again, if you would like this sheet, two-pager, scott.geezy at jostens.com. Be happy to send it to anybody who writes me. Hey, send me that storytelling sheet. I'll be happy to send it to you. Not a big deal. Now, photos. All right, I've been telling kids forever. Of course, pictures are the most important element of the yearbook. Yearbook's pretty boring without pictures, right? Ooh, yes. Now, again, there are some schools out there, man, they just go crazy taking great photos because they know how important it is. The great majority of schools just get pictures. It's pretty much just get something. If you take it with a good camera, SLR, whatever, if you're taking it with your phone, whatever you got, just we need pictures. Just go get some. Now, hopefully, whoever you work with with your yearbook, if it's your yearbook representative, your yearbook company, they have lots of photography curricula and so on to help you take better pictures. And I could do a half an hour on taking better pictures. But here's the problem for this upcoming year, possibly. Again, we're looking at the most disrupted year ever. How are we going to get pictures when the disruptions happen again? God forbid, everybody has to go back home again because the numbers have gone up, the test numbers or whatever. You're all thrown back home again. The governor says, go back home. Well, wait a minute. The school year is continuing, but I can't go anywhere. How am I going to get pictures? Well, think about this. Rather than despair, which some folks did back in the spring, realize that virtually every student out there, of course, has a smartphone in their pocket now. Just about every one. And then, of course, the teachers and staff members, they all have one. All right. And of course, what do we know? People love taking pictures with those things. I've done counts sometimes in workshops. I've asked students, okay, how many images are on your phone right now? And I've had some kids and it's amazing. It's almost always girls where they all, they actually kind of look at me kind of sheepishly to say, I have 9,272 images on my phone. 
<laughs> in other words, some gigantic number. And my response to that point is, okay, you have proven you know how to take pictures. Good. Now let's go get some good ones. And then I go into a photo lesson and so on. But everybody has a phone out there and they know how to use it. And so the idea is in another extreme situation, instead of fretting, how are we going to get pictures? I can't go anywhere. The idea is to look at the opposite and realize, hey, we have an army of photographers out there right now. They're all toting phones. Let's put them to work. And so as you put your story ideas together, maybe about a particular person or a small group or a team or whatever, you go to those people to say, you know, hey, we want some information. Oh, we need pictures. Please send us pictures and give them some place where they can send you their images. Don't be surprised if suddenly you are swamped in pictures. Now, yeah, some of them are going to be duds, no doubt about that. You know, folk out of focus and fuzzy and so on. But somewhere in that mountain of photos, there's going to be some good ones. And the idea is, hey, there's one. Hell, well, there's one. Hey, there's a third one. Hey, all of a sudden, because we have an army of photographers out there. So when it comes to photos this year, if we go extreme again, do not fret. You have an army of photographers out there. Put them to work for you. Simple solution. Keep it simple. Now, we're going to take a break here. We come back for our last segment, a couple more very key elements on how we can make a great yearbook in what's going to be probably the most disrupted school year ever. It can be done, and it can be historic. So stay tuned for more. All right, we'll get back to our last segment of the special July episode of the Yearbooking Report podcast. Don't go anywhere. More tips, more good ideas, how to simply get things going again in this disrupted year coming up here in just a bit. Now, it's unfortunate for, I won't say all schools, probably somebody did, but for a tremendous number of schools out there, they lost out this year on a one of the great traditions, not just of yearbooking, but of school, and that is signing each other's books. You hand out the books on distribution day, you offer some time in the cafeteria or the gym or outside or whatever, and people can go around to all their friends with a pen and they say, hey, would you sign my yearbook? And they sign this valued message somewhere on the inside of the yearbook, and then those messages are kept for life. They are so valuable. And of course, this year, when people were all thrown home back in the spring and you weren't allowed to get together, a lot of those signing traditions just disappeared. And that is just tragic, I suppose is the great word, because again, this is so valued in so many yearbooks out there. But that's when our Joss's tech team swung into action. If somehow you missed this, it's not too late to do it using our virtual yearbook signing tool, from Jostens. And again, we have thrown this open to anybody. You don't necessarily have to work with Jostens in this case, anybody out there. Because again, we know the value of getting those prized messages. If it's college, high school, middle school, even elementary school, all levels. But if you couldn't get together this year, how are you going to do that? So our yearbook tech team got together as soon as the shutdown started to happen and they went into overdrive and they put together our yearbook signing tool. It is the way to get those prize messages from your friends without actually getting together. By far the best and easiest way and it doesn't 
cost a dime. If somehow you missed this and didn't do it, it's not too late to start. So I think some folks think that since the school year is over, we turned it off. No, it's on. Yearbooksigning.jostens.com. That's the website address. Yearbooksigning.jostens.com. It's all about signing messages. It has nothing to do with videos. Too complicated. We didn't work with some extra company that then wants extra money for all that stuff. Our Jostens tech team put this together. They scrambled. They worked like dogs over a period of several weeks back in the spring to get it loose, to get it released. And then over time, they've actually been improving it more and more and more. And it's still on. Anybody can use it. You set the end date, all right? And as soon as the end date comes, then you get friends' messages, you print them out on your home printer, you put them in your yearbook, and you have them for life. It's easy to do. You go to the website, yearbooksigning.jostens.com. You register on there with your name and email address. And then everybody that does this gets their own special code, like a web code, and then they share that out with whomever preferably their friends, I hope, but it could be anybody, essentially to saying, hey, would you sign my yearbook? We're doing it virtually this year. The person clicks on that link, gets onto the website for, let's say, Joe Johnson. It'll say Joe's name right on the screen. And then they can go to a page or make a new page. By the way, you can, I believe, have up to 12 pages of messages. Come on, in a real yearbook situation, you never have that many. Well, you could this time. Somebody goes to a page, they find an open spot, like they always do, and then they put in their message. Now, not writing, it's more typing than anything. Lots of font choices, color choices. Uh, they can even put little stickers like emojis down with their message and so on. They can position it accordingly, all that sort of stuff. And then again, when you eventually get to the end, to the deadline, the student, the person, accesses their file, prints it out. If for some reason they want to change things around, I don't know, somehow your mortal enemy somehow got your message and put a message down. All right, let's get rid of that one. But all the rest of them you keep, you print out, you put them in your yearbook forever. Not one dime. And it's not too late to start. So if you haven't started, maybe you just want to do it for a week. Maybe you want to do it for a month. Maybe you want to do it longer. That's up to you. You've got to use this tool. It's fabulous, and it's available for anybody to use. Students have told us the written messages, that's what we want, and that's what our tech group delivered. Yes, fabulous, folks, just awesome. But you got to start first. Web address, yearbooksigning.jostens.com. Go there now. If you haven't already done this, name an ad, uh, email address just to register, and then go for it. Have fun. Get it to all your friends. Get those valued messages that you missed out on X number of weeks ago. It's not too late. Why not try it? Yearbooksigning.jostens.com. Okay, we're back for our final segment of this special July episode of the Yearbooking Report podcast. I'm Scott Giese. Again, we're looking ahead to this coming year. Hopefully, you're already doing some advanced planning. If not, now is a good time to start. Don't wait till school starts. No, don't do it. Even if you don't, if you're an advisor, even if you don't know who your staffers are yet. And in a lot of cases, that's the way it goes. 
Uh, a yearbook advisor may not know exactly who is on their staff this year because kids, you know, are doing sign-ups and, and the office at school is trying to restructure things and all that sort of thing. So I can understand if there are some advisors you simply really don't know who you have yet. That doesn't matter. You need to start doing some planning so that when you do know who you have, bam, we're right off. We're, we're taking off on this very unique race for the 2021 school year. Now, just two more things. And again, as I mentioned earlier, we want to keep this simple. Anything complicated this year is going to go over like a lead weight. It's not going to work in this most extreme of years. So we want to keep things simple, not only for this year again, but as we look ahead to the future, when we're eventually past this malady, that we'll have a new plan to make a more effective yearbook with a more effective yearbook staff. And the next subject is one that well, a lot of kids, they don't want to hear this. They don't want to hear about this, but it's about writing. Now, I have joked for a lot of years now with English teachers, and I hope they take it well. I think most do. I kind of look at them and I say, you know, most kids hate writing. We ask them to do even just a little bit of writing in a yearbook. And they just roll their eyes like, I can't do that. I'm like, you can't write a sentence? You can't write two sentences. Nope. <laughs> nope. Can't do it. Really? And I ask English teachers especially, what are you doing to these kids? I mean, what's the deal that they can't write a little bit? In my particular case, I love writing. I just I write I write some blogs. I have my own website. I and write for it every week during the school year. I really enjoy writing. And so when I encounter people who don't, I just think, why? What's going on in there? And they turn these kids off to writing. Now again, when I talk to kids about yearbook and writing, they immediately think he wants me to write a novel. No. I don't want you to write a novel. No offense. No pictures of novels. That's boring. All right. I like novels. Okay. No, we're not asking you to write novels. We are asking you, though, to write because the pictures cannot tell us the whole story. And a lot of times when I explain this to students, I'll at least get a few like, okay, I understand that. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. The old line, pictures tell a thousand words. Well, maybe that's not enough words. They don't tell everything. So how do we simplify this to get more writing in a book, more details of stories in a book? Well, of course, let's simplify this. There's body copy, which is simply paragraphs of writing. Now, some schools really go nuts with this. I mean, they, they write whole stories about whatever they're covering on that page or that spread. Okay, great. Maybe just uh, two or three paragraphs on this person or this activity or this game or this team or this class or whatever. Two to three paragraphs shouldn't be that tough, really. And you're basically telling the story. Here's what happened. Throw a quote or two in there. Make it as, as informative as you can make it. Now, one trend in yearbooks over the last number of years now has been more toward caption writing. Captions connected to photos. And I like this for a number of reasons. One, it's shorter. So hopefully we get more kids to actually do it. Two, it's connected to a photo. So in other words, we have a picture. Here's Sally, and Sally's doing something in the photo. Well, years from now, I might remember Sally, but I might look at the photo and think, what's she, what's she doing in there? I have no idea what she's doing there. I need a caption to remind me what Sally was doing in the photo. 
So when it comes to caption writing, that's something maybe that any yearbook staff, high school, middle school, even elementary, all levels can easily do. But how do we simplify this, especially in this most disrupted of years? Well, here's my simple rule about writing a caption. You can do this in one sentence. And with the one sentence, it's simply, who is this person and what are they doing in this photo? That's it. Or if it's two or three people, who are these people and what are they doing in this photo? Do not assume that our reader knows what they're doing. That Years from now, especially, they may not know what's going on in this photo. That's it. That's the simple rule of caption writing. And now we go back to English class, the old who, what, where, when, why, how stuff. All right, which every kid has probably learned or heard. Don't know how often they put it into practice. Well, here's a chance to put it into practice. Now, preferably with a caption, if you can do a two-liner, that's great. Give us some more details. Maybe a three-liner, okay? And yeah, if you can't, put a quote in there from the, you know, the kid, the main kid in the photo. Put a quote in there on whatever the story is. Now, all of a sudden, you have, it's a small paragraph, two or three lines, but we have now told someone's story, the story of the person or the people in that photo. There isn't a kid out there, and I'm going all the way down to middle school level and below, that cannot do this. Advisors, for you listening, you need to make this a priority right from the get-go. Folks, we're going to get more captions in the book this year to help us tell all these various stories. Here's the simple way to do it. Now, get it done. Very simple. For those advisors that they make caption writing a priority, it happens. Now, yeah, there's going to be some captions that are going to be clunkers. <laughs> they're going to be. They're not going to be very good. And they're going to need a rewrite or so on. Now, here's maybe if you have a good student editor who's really good at writing, that's their area. All right, managing editor or writing editor, whatever you want to call it. All right, put that under their realm so that the yearbook advisor isn't doing it all the time. Come on, you've got one kid who's a half-decent writer. Everybody does, somewhere. Let that kid help you lead the group to more and better writing. Caption writing is the way to go. Now, finally, there's the last subject, and I purposefully have saved this for last. And it's the subject of page design. Now, in the two decades plus that I've been doing yearbooking, I have found that page design is the most difficult part of this entire process. Most folks are just not very good at it or don't take the time. I've told kids forever, good page designing is never random. Now, sometimes kids will say, what's that mean? Random means you just have a bunch of things, photos and whatever, and you just bleh, just throw them on the pages. And no, no rhyme reason, just bleh, there it is. And invariably when they do that, all the picture boxes on a page are spread. They're all the same. They're all the same size. Now in the kid's mind, they're thinking, well, I'm being fair. Everybody's the same in this case. Well, in some parts of the yearbook, we want that, okay? In the senior section, yes, we want all the seniors' pictures to be the same size. In that section, they are equal. Same, of course, goes for your portrait sections. Imagine if some portraits were big and some were weenie. <laughs> that would not go over very well, right? But in most of the rest of the yearbook, we don't want it to be that way. Now, there are basic page designing elements, and your yearbook company or your yearbook representative can help point those out to you, you know, the dominant photo and an eye line and all that stuff. But I'm going to simplify this because that's one of our themes here. Again, I could take schools and break them into two groups. 
There's the group where they're serious about your book. I mean, they are serious. They are serious with their designing, everything. They do judging. They go to conventions. They show their book off and around with uh, creme de la creme friends in the yearbooking world and so on. Okay. Then there's everybody else. Again, they're just thinking, I just want to make a nice book. All right. I'm not interested in judging. I'm not going to join the state convention group or the national convention group. I'm not going to do any of that. I just want to make a nice book. Now, for the folks in that first group, which is the rather small minority, I don't have to tell you anything. You advisors, I don't have to tell you anything. You know what to do. You know exactly what to do. So I'm talking in this case more to the other group. And I have a very, very simple solution here. Use page templates from your company. Now, for the folks that are really into judging, they kind of wrinkle their nose like, oh, I don't do that. I want to create our own stuff. Okay, great. Go for it. But for the great majority of these other folks, they just want to make a nice book. But I've noticed, again, over all my years, the biggest time waster in yearbook is page design. I have seen kids and even advisors waste weeks working on one spread. They put it together, then they destroy it, they start again, then they change it around, then they destroy it, then they start again, over and over and over again. No rhyme, no reason, just, uh, that doesn't look right, uh, let me get this next one. And just over and over and over again, primarily because they're making their designs on their own and they just don't like them. Doesn't work. Well, okay. Your yearbook company, no matter who you work with, has lots of page templates that you can do. Some are plain, some are pretty fancy. They follow the basic design rules that we should be following. So my thought for advisors and any students also that are listening here this particular time, don't waste time with page design this year. In this most disrupted of years, you probably don't have that time, do you? We sort of didn't maybe back in the spring. Yeah, you might think we're all stuck at home. We have plenty of time. Not really. So as we look ahead to the new year and getting things started and so on, I think for that large group of schools, they just want to make a nice book, but they want to keep this simple and easy. Find page templates for particular sections of your book. Apply them. Now all your concentration is going to be on the content. What are we putting in those boxes on that page? Not so much, let's make a page. Let's fill the page with good stuff. The best photos we can get some writing, some good captions. You know, maybe you make a graphic. You're really fancy. You make like an infographic because you did some surveys and polls and we have a little infographic there. Probably your yearbook company even has templates for those, for infographics and all that sort of thing. Use them. Stop wasting time making random pages. Come up with a plan. Again, advisor, if you have an editorial group, get together with your group and figure it out. How do we want our book to look? Okay, let's find some page templates. Okay, here's some. There's one over there for sports. Here's one for seniors. Here's one for this particular section and so on and so forth. Find those templates. Apply them on your pages in advance. If it's online, software, or whatever you do, apply them in advance. If you need to do some tweaking, of course, you can do that. Make this bigger, make this smaller, move this here and so on. But we have the basic design down. This is something you could do in the first month of the school year. And then the whole rest of the year is dedicated especially to good content. Why is that important? Because that's what our reader wants. 
They want good content, good pictures that tell stories, writing that tells stories. Yes, preferably some story about me, 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 and my friends, you know, and the people I hang with and people on my team or whatever and so on. All right. Concentrate much more on content this year, not so much on design. If you're not going to be entering your book into judging and all that sort of thing, which is the huge majority of schools out there, then just go with your company's page templates, find ones that work, apply them on your pages, and go. Now you've saved a mountain of time, taken a lot of stress off your shoulders, and now it's all about let's tell the stories this year. Pictures and writing, maybe some graphic elements and so on. Put all the concentration there, now you've simplified this job, I think, a great deal. You also might find that you could hit, uh, do a better job hitting deadlines. You know, if your company has deadlines and so on to get certain stuff in and such. By doing it this way, now all of a sudden making deadlines is a lot easier. And again, if I'm right, and I hope I'm wrong, if we're in the most disrupted school year ever, and it goes the whole year, August, September, all the way to May, June, somehow it goes the whole span we don't want that situation that too many folks hit this past spring where they were just way late because they were disorganized and then everything got thrown a killer. Poof. We don't want to go down that road again. So what can we do to simplify with all the things we've talked about here? Organization, with storytelling, the pivot that I talked about, telling stories, that's our main objective this year. How to get photos, yep, army of photographers out there if needed, let's put them to work for us. Uh, writing, all right, if it's simple body copy or definitely caption writing, one line, two lines, that's it, as we tell those stories connected to photos. And then page designing. Why are we making this difficult if we really don't need to? If I'm not into judging, if I don't go to conventions, I don't go down that road, I just want to make a nice book. Whatever yearbook company you work with has all these page templates ready to use. They're all done for you. Use them. Make your job easier. So again, hopefully on some of these things I'm wrong, that the pessimist side of me is wrong, that maybe we get to Christmas or something and things are a lot better. That would be wonderful. The experts right now here in the summertime are not saying that, are they? Come on, if you follow news coverage, you've seen all this stuff. We simply don't know. So the idea, again, plan for the worst, hope for the best. But even if we plan for the worst and hope for the best happens, things get better and so on, now we have some new, easier-to-run plans, not only for this year, but also looking to the future in helping us make a better yearbook with a better organized staff, with better content, photos and, and information and so on, a book that people are really going to want. And then hopefully along the way, since I work for a yearbook company full-time, they buy one. All right, that's always a good thing, right? So there's the plans. That's all you have to do. Simplified. All right, hopefully we've taken some weight off your shoulders. And I appreciate you listening all the way to the end here so that we can tell you that this is not an impossible task. In fact, we're looking again at the most historic school year ever, if it's the whole year, not just three months the most historic school year ever, that years from now people are going to want to remember. 
Where are they going to remember it? Yeah, they'll go to a website or they'll go find some newspaper archive or something. But as far as your school is concerned, they're going to remember it in your yearbook. And they're counting on you, you, your group, and so on, to get the job done for them. And it doesn't have to be difficult. All right? Hopefully you got some good thoughts and uh, notes and ideas from this. Start your planning again if you haven't already. I know I have in many cases. We're going to blink our eyes and school's going to start. Let's get started now, not later, and let's make this the best yearbook you have ever made, no matter what this insane virus throws at us. No matter what. It's going to get better. We're going to get over this. But in the meantime, how do we survive? It's possible with a terrific yearbook. Thanks again for listening to the Yearbooking Report podcast.